Funny thing about time. You hear the word, well, I'm buying time. Reality is, we're losing time. <laughs> it's hard to buy it. And so I'm saving time. Well, yeah, okay, maybe. But maybe not. Because <laughs> it's hard to bank it. It's hard to put it away. Because once it's gone, it's gone. So the question becomes, for, for us, I would say, is so what do we do with that time? Well, what do we really do with the time we have? Because we don't know. We really don't know today whether we have more time tomorrow. We don't know today when we leave here whether they have another six hours left in the day or 12 hours or whatever that may be. We don't know. We really don't know. So what do we do with the time we have? I heard a movie the other night, and I think I'm going to quote. You know, sometimes you quote things, you listen to it later and go, well, that is not what they said. But I like my version as well. Anyway, no, it said, said the future is a lot of todays strung together. The future is just a lot of todays strung together. That was an interesting way of, of thinking about that. The future is what I do today, piled on top of each other. So what I do with the day matters. You know, I grew up in Arkansas, as many of you know, and I, 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 it was interesting about that was I didn't know when I was a kid that we were poor. You know, a lot of poor people don't know that they're poor. Did you ever notice that? Nobody told them, so they just didn't get it. Somebody needs to send them a letter going, hey, we just classified you as poor. That way they'll feel better about or less about themselves, maybe, which I don't know, but... As time went on, we weren't really poor, but we were. I mean, I, I grew up in a home where we had no bathroom in our home in the early 60s. And I don't remember much about that. I remember the outdoor John. Uh, you know, they had one-holers, two-holers. Anybody remember those? Yeah, you know, I, the two-holer never made sense because you don't really don't think you'd go with a cup with somebody with you. So it didn't make sense to have two. Anyway, think about it. You know, and you didn't have, we finally got a bathroom in, indoors, which was awesome. And, then, you know, then you'd hang your clothes on the clothesline. Then you get a dryer. That was pretty awesome. Save us time. Then you get a microwave that's about that big, you know. And, and, and my mom had it for how long? I mean, it's like she, she kept it forever. And the little dial, you just turn it and push the button. That's all you did. Then there's cable TV. Man, I used to lay around as a kid, you know, on the couch going, boy, if I could build a stick long enough on the remote so I could change the channel from the couch. It would be awesome. Then they made these little things you just held in your hand. But all these time savers that we have, fast food, which is not many times what? Fast. Or food. Thank you, Josiah. <laughs> Amen to that. Sometimes it's not food. It's Josiah. Give him credit for that. But most of us have less time than we've ever had. We've bought all these time savers to get things done quicker, faster. And you start looking at how much time we spend in line in life. Just in line, like five years, I think, or traffic lights, two years of your life, if you live a full life. I mean, you start looking at these crazy numbers and go, wow, what did I even do with that time? But sometimes I wonder if getting stuck in the traffic 
going home to Chandler. Thank goodness I'm going to be about halfway in between starting this week. But what do I do at that time? Do I spend that time not cursing the people around me, even though it could cross my mind? There's temptation. No. Or do I take that God going, would you just slow down a little bit? Enjoy this. Where are you in a hurry to get to? Where are you going? This is so important. Maybe you spend that hour in traffic just talking to me. Just slow down. Or choosing the slowest line you look at. How many of you choose, try to choose the fastest line at the grocery store, at Walmart, or wherever you are? You try to choose the fastest line, and you end up getting in the line that ends up being the slowest. Okay, that's the one thing, because they have to go check something on the back, you know, back room back there that's been lost for ages, apparently. They just only had one, and they can't find the... You know, have you ever done that? You're going, really? Did that just happen? Or you go, you know what? I don't have enough margin in my life to sacrifice five minutes stuck in line. And the reality is I could talk to the people around me. I could read all about that National Enquirer standing in line. I could find out awesome things. No. I wonder how long it would take for it to get awkward in here, me being silent. What if I didn't try to get an hour and a half sermon in in 40 minutes like I normally do? Talking as fast as I can talk. See, I grew up in the car business. My dad owned a car business. I, my, the actual car lot that my dad had, small business there in Wicks, Arkansas. From the time I was born till I was 21, he owned that. And, and it was as far as from that back wall to right here, basically. Maybe a little further, maybe to the front doors. But that's how close the car lot was to my house. And so I grew up in that. Didn't know any better, and uh, so seemed normal to me. But one of the cool things about growing up in the car business is you get to drive a lot of cars. But one of the things was I had an SS396, 69 SS396, uh, as a senior in high school, junior and senior in high school, that thing would fly. It would go. Had the rebuilt engine, Holly double pumpers on it, 383 gears, it would go a quarter mile, maybe 11 and a half, maybe 12 seconds. We used to do the back roads, the backwoods, back roads, drag racing. Is there, a, let me ask you before I continue on here, is there a, uh, what do you call it, uh, if you admit a crime right now? <laughs> Statue limitation? Is there any police officers here? There's one by Steve. Can you help me with that, Steve? <laughs> That's what we did growing up. We would go drag race. Never been beat in that car. But one of the things you learned was in drag racing is you've got to figure out how to, all, to redline it. You've got to figure out how to take that engine the way it was built and what you have and push that thing as far as you can without what? Blowing it up. Get as close to it as you can possibly can and kick that next gear. It's automatic. Didn't, I wish I had a standard, but that's what I had. But redlining. 
If I had a tagline onto our margin series, it might be redlining. It might be figuring out where, where is that place that we're right at the verge of blowing the thing up in our lives, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our time, but we're redlining it. Here's the deal. Our culture encourages us to live there. Our, our, our jobs, our, our, our recreation, whether it's sports and clubs and all kinds. And, and, and our, our culture encourages us to, to, to redline in our schedule, redline in our credit. And what this means for most of us is there, there's living a life without margins. It's a living a life without any space for error. And I know John 10.10, many of you know me well enough, know that my favorite life verse, my my life verse is John 10.10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and live it to the full, or live a life to the max. But that's not, Jesus was not talking about redlining, that's not what he meant by the max there, okay, just by the way, just so you know that. He, He wasn't trying to say, okay, just get as, cram as much into this thing as you can get. Because that's not the way Jesus lived. I'll touch base on that in just a minute. It's not trying to figure out how to do all that. And, and, the, and the challenge for most of us is it's not that we need to eliminate bad things. Some of you may need to eliminate some bad things. It's not like most of you are trying to make a choice today of going to church or going to a crack house. Okay, it's not like you're making, it's not like that extreme, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's not like that, that those are that kind of extreme, wow, look at that difference, man, I'm not going to go there. The choice you have to make is a plethora of good things. You're looking at a bunch of good things. And you're having to figure out, how do I navigate this? It's connected to your job, it's connected to your family, it's connected to your social life, it's connected to your home, it's con- And one of the challenges we have here at at Renovation, and you'll hear this term over and over from us, is called contextual poverty. What's the poverty in the area that God has parachuted us into? What is the poverty in this community that we have been dropped into? Because you look around, most of you think, I know a few miles out, it would be different, uh, three or four miles out, but, but here locally, here close, it probably would not be food, it would not be water, it would not be clothing, it would not be housing. So what's the poverty? Because the poor will always, always be with you. Those who are poor in spirit, really, because the poor can be all kinds of different things. The poor is just not financially in trouble and distress. Poor can be poor in spirit. So what is that for us? Because before we've been planted, I believe part of it is hurry. The poverty we have here is hurry. It's exhaustion. It's boredom. It's greed. It's self-sufficiency. And that's not just in this community, obviously. But what is the poverty around us? And how do we address that? Because the thing is, folks, life is not a drag race. Because if you live your life trying to figure out how you redline, if that's the only way you know how to live, 
is redlining every area of your life. First off, you'll get terrible gas mileage. If I'd have done that with my car everywhere I went, if I'd have done that in my... First off, driving regularly in my SS396, I drove to Dallas one time, I got six miles to the gallon. Okay. So, I don't know what I would have got if I'd have been driving drag racing all the time. <laughs> That's only 70 cents probably. But the, but the thing is, I, could, I, did, I couldn't live there. Because what happens is there's no room for error living there. There's no room for error living at red line. There's no room for any inconveniences. There's no room for anything else sliding in there and going, Hello, God has dropped me off into your life. may not be the way it's presented to you, but there's no room. And the most apparent area of margin or margin-less lies where there is no margin. But it's in relationships. That's what gets hurt the most. First of God, first of, second to others. When there is no space. And you've heard me say this, but I, I really do believe this. Most of us, most people don't wake up every morning with a burning desire to know what's true, what's right, and what's honorable. That's not how we wake up every day. Most of us wake up every day on a happiness quest. We want to be happy, and because of that happiness often trumps our desire and appreciate of what's true and what we know is right. Our desire to get up is, how do I become happy today? Not how do I live with purpose and significance. How do I become happy? And what happens is, what makes me happy today very well may bring me disaster tomorrow. Decision I make today that makes me happy very well may be the thing that takes the legs out of my, my, my present and even some of my future because I am living in the moment. Now, we tell people live today, obviously live in the present, but unfortunately sometimes that's very destructive. Depends on your choice. Depends on what you do with that. There's a newsflash. Love Intimacy and friendship, where they happen in unstructured, unhurried world of margins. If we're going to have great relationships, deep, deep relationships. And we've talked about it here, and I hope in the future we we practice this more and more as a practice the art of the long meal. You know, in Jesus' day, they just sat around and they didn't have any, they, had to, they weren't watching the Monday night football over here. They weren't hurting. They sat around tables. It was part of their culture to sit for long meals just to get to know each other. No hurry. Having to be somewhere. I think one of the biggest things for us, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I just want to repeat it because I know some folks that were not here. We're going to talk a lot about the soul and about the body and about the spirit. We believe there's three, but they obviously are one. The body. Talk a little bit more about that next week and how the spirit connects with that. But the soul. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and I, I, I apologize not having them up on the screen. You can write those down if you want to, and you can look them up later. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Bible makes it clear that the soul and the spirit are prime are primary, primary immaterial aspects of our humanity. We, don't, we can't touch them, we can't feel them, we can't, but the body is what packages all that. But they are separate. They're three different things. And the soul, the Greek word psych, psyche, psych. If we don't figure out that we've got to take care of all three of these, the body, soul, and spirit, we're in trouble. This idea of margins, this idea of, uh, of being able to live within this space that God has for us, we're in trouble. Because when you say something about a person's soul, you say something about the depth of their being. Even to the speaking to their subconscious. It's where we hold our beliefs. It's where we hold our attitudes. It's also where we have our feelings, our emotions, our, we retain our memories. And, you know, and, and, we, and we make those decisions based on uh, what we think, how we analyze things, how we feel. And then we choose from our will. And when we don't take care of that soul, Scripture is very clear about that. It says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but yet forfeit his soul? Jesus said, Matthew 16, 26, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And when we hear this, most we've thought about this is eternal damnation, and I'd say it's probably got that eventually, yes, but Jesus is referring more to right now. He's speaking about today. What good is a man to gain the whole world, to max out his credit cards, to max out his schedule, to max out everything and lose his very being? good is that? The writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, your soul, for everything you do flows from it. Your soul and your spirit coming together to create your heart, the connection of the consciousness. Again, mentioned a few weeks ago, we, we, we get all kinds of security, we get all kinds of things in our lives to, to make sure that we, we don't get our car stolen, our house stolen, our, our identity stolen. We protect, so, we t- protect all kinds of things in our life, but the Word says, above all else, do what? Above everything else you do in life, there is nothing more important than this. But we'll spend hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars to protect all these things that moth, rust, will come along and eat up and wear out. That's what Scripture says. But to protect, guard your heart. I see many people in their lives, they've not put up the barriers, they've not put up the walls, they've not put up the guards. 
Man, you look up one day and go, how did I end up here? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been in a place where you wake up one day and you go, how in the world did I end up right here? It could be in your marriage. You could be going, man, how did I end up here? How did our marriage end up here? Above all else, I wish I could shout it loud enough, and I know I'm already loud enough. Teenagers, college students, above all else, get the best GPA. And keep that scholarship. I don't read that anywhere in there. Even though I think anything you put your hand to, you should do well. But above all else, guard your heart. See, the rhythms of life. You know, I've run for years, and yeah, I don't run as much as I used to because things begin to break down as you get older, that's all I can tell you. Just any amens to that. I'm hearing 30-year-olds say that nowadays. That scares me. I don't remember breaking down at 30. I was into my 40s before I started breaking down. But anyway, this thing's driving me crazy here. Bear with me. The rhythm. The reason I love running is a lottery. One of them is it's my quiet time with God. One of my quiet times where I, where I run, and it's just something about that being outside, all those kind of things that go with it. And so, you know, those who are runners in here understand that. But there's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to it, not just put that foot down and put that foot down. There is that rhythm too. But there's a rhythm to the breathing. There's a rhythm to, to the way you think about it and the distance you've got to go. There's a rhythm to it. But there's a rhythm to life. You know, in Genesis, God put the rhythm in place. Shabbat, the seventh day. Sabbath. Literally means to cease. Cease. Stop. In our world today, it's hard to find that, isn't it? The Sabbath, the Shabbat. God applied this to land in Scripture. And it's kind of crazy because when you read Scripture in the Old Testament, he's talking about for six years, God's people would work the land. But during the seventh year, those who worked the land would cease working that land for a year. And to a nation who's dependent on, on agriculture for its existence, that's a pretty extreme request. And I'd say most of them would, even with us, many times we look at that and go, well, that would compromise my survival if I gave up a day. Some of them, people, it's easier. Some, it's not. But to maintain the health of the land, God ordered rest. But he also designed it for the human body, the human soul, the human spirit. Because it reminds us to depend on his plan. Because the primary spiritual spiritual issue on Sabbath is faith. 
Now again, I'm not saying it's Sunday, I'm not saying it, but it's Sabbath. But when is that? And allowing us to rest and live within margins allows us to live in the rhythms God created for us. Because let me say this. Scripture does say, and God says, that those who refuse to work are lazy. But those who refuse to rest are disobedient. Those who refuse to work are lazy. So this is not letting you off here, okay, folks? But those who refuse to rest are disobedient. Because when living life to the full, what's awesome about that is Jesus got away. I mean, he got away so many times. We read in Scripture, Mark 14. I'll just read them real quick. And like I said, you can write them down later. But Mark 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark 1, 34, uh, 35, very clear in the morning. Mark 1, 35, excuse me. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. At daybreak, in Luke 4, went out to a solitary place, Jesus did. The people were looking for him when they came to where he was. They tried to keep him from leaving them. And what's amazing about this is, is we look at the lives and the, and the rhythm, rhythms here. Jesus did not see the rhythms as a waste of time. You know, Jesus could have healed everybody. He didn't. Jesus could have hung around. There was plenty of needs. There was plenty of people to heal, plenty of people to... But he didn't stay for all of them. How could he justify that? He was only here for a short period of time. How could he justify walking away? Because Jesus came to set an example for all of us. There's a lot of reasons why, but he came to set that model, that influencer, that example that we would follow. But let me say this, and I want to make sure that you understand where my heart is here. To me, margins is not about doing nothing, even though that can be it. Margins is about creating the space for God to do things with, between us and Him and us with others that we never would have time to if we didn't begin to create it. It's not just going, I'm washing my hands from any duties I have. I'm no longer responsible for anything. That's not what margins is for. Margins is where we can live unhurried. Where God can parachute into our lives. From our time to our finances to our talents. And use us in a way and fulfill us in a way we never knew we could be fulfilled. But part of that is is getting away. Part of that is resting. Part of that is slowing down our soul. The biggest challenge most of us have is hurry. We're packed so full. Robert Barron says this. The deepest part of, our, of the soul likes to go slow since it seeks to savor rather than to accomplish. I love that. It seeks to savor rather than to accomplish. How many of you eat too fast even? I mean, I do. I, I, I'm impressed by people who can slow down and eat at a pace that you go, they're savoring that. What a concept. But you look around sometimes at some people's table, you think there was a race, there was a drag race going on. Who can finish this? And, you know, when you grew up in my family and there's, three, there's two other boys, there's six kids, and you're trying to get so you can get your seconds, so you eat so fast to get your first out of the way. 
crazy. Scarcity. So much of hurry is fear. So much of peer pressure is fear because we're afraid we'll be left out. One of the greatest fears, you know, in our culture, and, and they were doing a study on college students, I was reading this week in a magazine, that one of their greatest fears, even though we've talked about this, public speaking is the number one fear people have. Number two is dying. Okay, so public speaking, people would rather die than public speak. But what I thought was fascinating was one of the greatest fears people have, maybe ranks as high, especially the younger, but even now is all through all the ages, is being left out. Being left out. So you make decisions in your life fear-based. Not just hurry, but also being involved in things that you may not ever have been involved in before. You would never choose to be involved in it if you just had a clear, but you're afraid of being left out. I'm going to tell you, it goes across the ages. Peer pressure doesn't stop when you're in your teens and 20s. Eliminating hurry. You know, one of the ways that Pastor Brian mentioned a few weeks ago, and you can, and again, I, I encourage, I can't even think of the guy's name that wrote the book now, uh, I, but Sacred Pathways. Discovering Your Soul's Path to God. Figuring out how to slow down. Figuring out how God speaks to you uniquely. Discovering your soul's path to God. I believe this is a hinge pin for many of you in your margins. Or not living in your margins. Or not, not living with margins, what I'm trying to say. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and he will make what? Your paths straight. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. And one of my favorite illustrations Andy Stanley uses in his book, Principle of the Pathway. He said, the road I'm on always determines where I end up. The path I choose. You've chosen a path. Everybody in here has chosen a path. The path I choose always determines where I end up. It really doesn't matter where I intended to be. The path I take ultimately determines my destination. My plans, intentions, and family, none of that counts. Great intention is worthless if you choose the wrong path. You've seen this illustration over and over for me. Many of you have. But for instance, if this right here is choosing to follow God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, if that's the path, I cannot choose, continue to choose to go out that door. I cannot continue to choose to walk that way when I know this is the only path. But some other, some of you go, well, that's just, obviously, Kurt. But people live that way all the time, folks. They keep believing they can choose another path and somehow or another follow God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is not going to happen. And let me tell you, if you choose the wrong path, it can steal decades of your life. 
And I like, you know, people say, well, you live and learn. Well, yeah, but you don't necessarily erase the cost of what it took to learn. Whatever has your attention is the path you're going to walk. You heard me say it last week. People may not always live out what they profess, but they will always live out what they value. You may not always live out what comes out of your mouth, but you will always live out what you treasure. What has your attention, you will live it out. I'm thankful that 28 years ago, when I met Jane, she got my attention. And I've done everything. And she, I didn't even try to give it to her. She took it. And she hadn't given it back. You make decisions around what has your attention. My kids, they have my undivided attention. This church. You make decisions based on that. Doesn't mean you're always going to make the, the right decision, but you've got to have space to know that there's time to look at this, time to get away, time to think through this. But living without margins gives you no room for that. It gives you no room to give the money when you should. It gives you no room to go help somebody when you should. In the middle, like I said, sometimes people just parachute into your life. You didn't ask for it. But that space, most of all, to know God. But some of you continue to say that, but walk here. I don't know, guys. You know, 27 years ago when I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't just have a problem to be fixing, buddy. I had some problems. I had some unbelievable problems. What I had was a, was a pathway to choose. Some of you have got to begin to choose a pathway. If this margin, this whole idea of space for God and for others, you've got to begin to choose a pathway and a direction. Guard your heart. Above all else, it determines the course of your life. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge Him. If you do that, He'll make your pathway straight. I don't know what kind of pathway you want. I really don't. But one of those pieces is that we've got to be able to have time for God and time for others. We've talked about a lot here at Renovation Church about influence and about how if we're going to make the impact in our culture from teenagers and children and all the way up through the ages. You can teach a concept, but until people believe that there's time and space for all this. I mean, we can start teaching today, and I teach you about the six pieces of influence, and you may listen to everyone and go, well, that's right. I agree with that. 
But how, Kurt? When am I going to have time? That's the reason why we believe over this next few weeks we're going to be drilling down deep and begin to take you, hopefully, to some places you begin to look at your life going, I've got to make space for God to do the things He wants to do. I've got to have space. I mean, if we just took time today and I'd say, okay, name five things in here today you've never noticed about this room or five people you've never noticed today. If I just gave you time for that, you, you might be really interested to find out you've been walking in here for six months or so. And, but just slow down. <laughs> Enjoy the present. See what's going on. To look across the room and go, I have never talked to those folks because like we've talked about, one of our big rocks here is hopefully the fellowship connectedness, Konania. But that's one of the places. But if you don't have time, if you're in a hurry, if we're always in a hurry, whether it's the ball game, at least now the game started at 11 instead of 10 football games. It's some benefit. But why are you in a hurry? I, this is what I believe, really, earnestly. You probably won't make one play in that football game. That's my, that's my thought. Now, I don't know. You know, you will not have any bearing on the outcome of it. If that's the case, the St. Louis Cardinals would have won this week in the World Series. This is my team. We made the decision to move to Arizona many years ago. October 1997, we asked to interview at a Crossroads. came back and a lot of things that we'd had the opportunities to go other places we had prayed about moving to Africa for two years and and different things and so there's a lot of things going on in our mind swirling in our mind we knew God had released us from Texarkana Texas Texarkana First Church of the Nazareth we knew that didn't know where it was going to be didn't know when it was going to be but I had I knew this that if I didn't get somewhere and clear my head and step away from all of it I was in trouble. Now, I do believe we need to seek wise counsel. I believe God surrounds us with wise... Well, I'm not sure every one of you is surrounded with wise counsel, but I would say seek it, figure it out. I hope you do have wise counsel around us, but God has the last word, by the way. At the end of the day, you can get all the information you need, but at the end of the day, God has the last word. And it can be contrary to whatever thing you've told if God's speaking on that. You know, a guy asked a story years ago about a farmer, I mean, about an old country preacher when knocked on a guy's door one day, and when God speaks to you, and knocked on an old farmer's door one day, and the farmer opened the door up and he said, and the preacher said, Sir, God spoke to me and said to come down here and talk to you. And that old country guy said, well, Preacher, see, I've heard that all my life. People say God spoke to them. He said, When God spoke to you, was it out loud? He said, No, it was louder than that. And when you know God speaks, you know it. And you can, you know, think it's some kind of crazy thing or not. But I, I made the decision, Jan, I said, Jan, i got to go by myself. I'm going to go up to my hometown of Wicks, Arkansas. I'm going to go to the Costatot River, which is my, it's just one of the places that I grew up in the Costatot River. I love the, I, I want to get a t-shirt. Costatot means skull crusher. I think it's an awesome name for a river. Anyway. But that's where I grew up, and because of the rapids and the and the and the, uh, the 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 ability for that thing to kill people, and it and it has. But I had a place. 
I'm going to take my boom box. So that tells you it's 1997. Okay. I'm going to take my boom box, my Hillsong CD, and a jug of water and my Bible. I ain't coming back to a guy know what God said. That's what I did. I'm just happy that he decided to do it within a few hours. And not for days and days and days. But I've believed over the years fasting, and we'll talk more about spiritual disciplines as we go on and things of that nature. But I had to get away. I didn't know at the time, and many of you know I didn't know until a few years ago what sacred pathways meant. But what I knew then about myself was nature and music. Those two was how God spoke to me, maybe the best way. But in his word also. And I went out there and I came down off that mountain that day and I knew that I knew that I knew. I knew. And if you had known our journey over those next couple of years, you would have known that not only did Sydney, our oldest daughter, did not want to be here for the first year, but we always came back to, we know that we're supposed to be here. So that's not an issue. We're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. We just got to work through this. And then a couple of years later, going through some really ugly time in our life, it was just it, 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 within the church and some things, some hard things went on. But we had to know that God said, you're right there. You're there. Even when you had a chance to run, and some of you, they were here at Biltmore for all these years, you just got to go, there's chances to run. But you hung in here, and we thank the Lord that you did, because we get to be here today. And you had no explanation for it, except you just know you weren't supposed to leave. But it's finding our pathway. It's finding our way for the depths of our soul to be opened up. And it's different for different people. That's what's so awesome about this. Is that God wired you uniquely. And your circumstances are unique. Your baggage that you brought to the, to the party is different. But we're all headed to the same place. And for the same call. is to expand the kingdom. And to live in such a way that our lives are unexplainable apart from a living, almighty God. That's where I want to live. I just hope you do too. And over the next many weeks, we're going to talk about how to somehow another get there. And it won't be a... I mean, there's other things we could talk about in that amount of time, I realize. But we're going to make some choices on that. But I just hope and pray you'll invite folks that you believe need to be hearing this. But you will be here and you'll make the attempt to be here as often as you can. And when you're here, don't be in any hurry. You know, next week when we do dinner on the grounds, one of the things we're talking, thinking about, uh, we're thinking about going to the park over here. And we're just going to, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. And uh, we'll send an email out this week. If we don't have your information, please get that to us today. Because we just want to go play softball, football, soccer, whatever. Plus just hang out under the trees and just enjoy Hanging out together and not being in any hurry. We'll let you know on that. But if you don't have your email and you're coming next week, go ahead and bring your tennis shoes and shorts. But part of it is, is having that time and space. Time and space. That's Josiah and him. Then we come at this time. This morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do this once a month, but, you know, there's other options. We have um, the self-contained communion uh, for those, maybe even in the middle of the week, if they wanted to come and they just feel that's necessary for their journey. And for some, they feel that's the way, and I, and I, I sure appreciate that.
but we celebrate it as a, as a community. And we, in Renovation and the Church of the Nazarene, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene. Anything like we just ask that you know our Lord and Savior in a personal way. And you'll just come down. Those who can will come and just dip the bread in the juice. And we'll just sing together and celebrate together. As the Lord set the example, He said to do it in remembrance of Him as He, as an example of His body broken and His blood shed. Before I pray, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes here of silence. Because the Word does say to examine yourself, Paul says. To not make a mockery of this, but to look at your lives. And I'll pray. regular folk nobody comes in here higher or lower or... hopefully Lord we're just folks that are just trying to together be more in connection with you with each other and in turn touching a world that needs hope your word tells us to guard our heart above all else. But one of the ways we do that as a body here, we, we celebrate and remembrance is your body, your blood. Lord, I have hope for some today. It takes them back to that moment in time, maybe the first time they ever took communion, the first time they ever realized that you were who you said you were. Lord, I pray for those in here today maybe are on that journey right now and going, Lord, I just believe that you are who you say you are, the Son of God. And I just confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. It's not complicated. Help us today, Lord, as we journey this together. We love you and thank you for this time, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? Those who will, come as you're ready.